Um, you could be a lot of places tonight, and you chose to be with us. So thank you so much for being with us. Um, my name is Jeremy Bell. I have the privilege of being a pastor here, and it's a joy to be with you on this Christmas Eve night. Let me bring you into uh, my home on a cold and wintry pre-Christmas night a few years back. I'd been working in the garage on a project for a Christmas uh, gift for my family, working in that, that garage. I was, it was long hours that evening. I was tired and ready for bed when Jules, uh, my wife, came to me pretty excitedly at 10 p.m. and said, I want to put up Christmas lights outside now. And like a good husband, I said, okay. I, I didn't say that. It wasn't my best moment ever because I said, Jules, it's freezing and it's 10 o'clock. And on top of that, it's raining outside. And she said, so? And I, I said, Jules, could we, could we do it tomorrow? Maybe when the sun is out and we can see what we're doing and it's not raining. She said, Jared, we got to get the lights up. I can't remember how far we were from Christmas, but there was something stirring in her gut that made her come to me at 10 p.m. and say, we got to get the lights up. And so I, it was a shining moment for me as a, as a husband. I said, okay. No, I didn't say okay. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm, I think I'm going to head to bed. We can do them tomorrow. And so Jules, um, seeing her husband was so willing to sacrifice himself, she went on a recruitment mission into our children's bedrooms, and, and Rachel was willing to come down. And as I was getting myself ready for bed, I'm sharing with you a low moment in my life uh, as far as my leadership. I'm looking out and watching these two ladies putting putting lights on the tree in the rain, and I'm thinking, why? <laughs> what did those lights bring? I mean, Julie was willing to trade the warmth and comfort of our house for the sting of the raindrops falling on her nose as she strung, strung those lights up. I was like, why? Why is she doing this? And then I realized... Lights pierce the darkness with hope. That's why she was doing it. Lights pierce the darkness with hope. They radiate joy. Isn't that what lights do? Who, who of us doesn't like to drive around and, and see great lights against the canvas of darkness at night? We love doing it, don't we? In fact, if you live anywhere near Hilltown or will be going back toward Hilltown tonight, and if you want a light display, come see me. I'll give you an address of a road um, where there's this cool, really cool light display. My family, I drove my family through this road last night. It was, it's, it's just, it's a really cool drive. And if you're interested, I can give you the address afterwards. Um, there's something about the power. Is this not true? There's something about the power of light to lift us, right? There's something about its ability to give us cheer and hope and encouragement just through light. We're drawn to light. Throughout the pages of God's Word, I don't know how familiar you are with God's Word, but throughout the pages of God's Word, the Bible uses the metaphor of light and darkness 
to reference spiritual realities that are going on in our hearts. Spiritual realities, light and darkness. So, so what we're going to read tonight in just a moment has, has light in it and it has darkness in it. And at the advent or at the coming of the Christ child, um, there was great and abiding light that came forward. And as, as what we're going to read was, was prophesied 700 years before uh, the Christ child was born, um, there was joy in the people as they heard this proclamation, this, this birth announcement, if you will, um, because of the person of light that it referenced. It, it referenced Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And, and so I want to read these words, uh, again, penned by the prophet Isaiah 700 years before the birth of Christ. Uh, I'm reading God's word, Isaiah 9, verses 2 through 7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who have dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for fire. Verse 6, hear this afresh tonight. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called, say it with me, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Verse 7, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Why do we gather each year on Christmas Eve? Is it simply a warm tradition that we like? Well, it is kind of a warm tradition, but that's not ultimately why we gather. We gather this evening to remind ourselves of our desperate need for light. We need the light of Jesus Christ. And in order to fully appreciate the light um, and understand its purpose, we have to understand the context into which this is coming, this announcement of the light coming. We have to understand that. And we're going to focus tonight just on one verse, verse 2, for the next few minutes. Let me read it again. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. So back I think the year is 1995. The month was April, and Julie and I were tenting at around 15,000 feet in the air. Well, on ground, but at that altitude. <laughs> that sounds funny. We were tenting, and we were awakened at midnight. 
We were awakened by our guide at midnight because that was the morning, that was the, the night that we were going to make our final ascent up Mount Kilimanjaro. We had been at it for a couple of days already, trekking along with juniors and seniors in high school from the missionary school that we were teaching at over there, and the final ascent came on that morning, and they got us up at midnight. And I just remember when, when you're at 15,000 feet on the side of a mountain, there certainly aren't any lights around. There's no you know, power cords to plug in. And I just remember waking up to just a blackness, a darkness that was pervasive all around us. Now, fortunately, a few of us had flashlights, but there was something about the darkness like, you could go away from the group. Our group was about 20 of us. You could walk around a big rock and be away from our group in the small flashlights and feel like you were in the middle of total darkness. We were walking in darkness. We walked our way up, and, and it was a glorious time at the top as we scaled the summit and got to celebrate the, the victory of, of rising to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro. But it was the darkness on the way that prepared us for the light of the dawn that was coming. In fact, I would say to you, if we had just kind of casually walked that, that path in the daytime, it would have not been nearly as impressive and not as moving as we had because we were walking in darkness. There's something about walking in darkness that when the light actually shows up, it's amazing and it's so welcome because you're so ready to see. We all know what it's like to make our way down into a dark and cobwebby basement. Maybe we've been carrying boxes and we couldn't have, we couldn't flick on the light, but we, we get to the bottom and, and we, we realize, wow, I can't see a blessed thing. And then we walk and, and bump into things until someone mercifully flicks on the light. And now we can see. And the light is so welcome because now everything that once was just jabbing out, it has purpose. It has its place. We can see what we're doing. In this context, 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, the people of Israel had forgotten about God. They said, we don't need him. We can make our own way. We can do our own thing. So they had forgotten about God, and God ordained that Isaiah the prophet would come and let them know that the light was coming. They were a people who were walking in darkness. They had walked in their sins. They had forgotten about God. They had said, I don't need you, God. I don't need you. I can go my own way. This was a pervasive darkness, darkness that had covered the whole earth. But it, it wasn't always that way. The world hadn't always been dark. That's not the way God had created the world to be. The book of Genesis tells us the account of the creation of the world made by God himself as God's word spoke reality into existence. Just by the speaking, what did God say? Let there be light. That's right. And light came. And the world took on its shape. And over the next few days, the world was created and, and the apex of the creation was Adam and Eve. And in that place, in the Garden of Eden, in the place of God's blessing, like the blessings were flowing. 
until Adam and Eve chose of their own will and volition. They chose to rebel against God and sin against his authority. And sin entered the world at that point in time. And then the consequences of sin began to be experienced. They were immediate. Adam and Eve, what happened to them? They were cast out of the garden, cast out of the place of God's particular blessing. Their relationship with God had had fundamentally changed because now they were opposed to God. They had said, we don't need you. We can go our own way. And they left. And the reality of the darkness descended upon them and then on every person ever since, even their own children. You remember the story of Cain and Abel? Just one generation. Cain murdering his own brother. Sin entered the world and the, the earth became a land of deep spiritual darkness. And just like the people in this context... We too are sinners all. The, the darkness of our hearts is, is there and there's nothing we can do to get the darkness out of our own strength. We can't, we can't get rid of the darkness by doing good works. We can't get rid of the darkness that's, that's in our own hearts by, by helping people or by giving money or by giving time. All the different ways that we, we want to clean ourselves up, but there's a pervasive darkness that's there. In fact, the Apostle Paul says it this way in Romans 3.23. He says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us, we've all sinned. We too, like the people in Israel's time, before we come to Jesus Christ, we walk in a reality of spiritual darkness. And until the light of Jesus Christ comes into our hearts by faith, we are those people who are walking in darkness, like in a basement where you you can't see anything and you're just bumping into things and injuring yourself by what you think is a pursuit of of what's going to make you happy. We're a people who know darkness and we can't pull ourselves up out of it. This is why. This is why this pronouncement was so huge to the people of Israel. They knew they couldn't lift themselves out of their own darkness. The light had to come. Jesus Christ, the light of the world, he had to come. The people who walked in darkness, what did they see? It says they had seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them, light has shined. See, we, we can't produce the light in and of ourselves because if we could produce the light, then why did Jesus come? If we could had the ability to take our own darkened, sinful hearts and, and turn things around and, and gain an upper hand, then, then Jesus had no reason to show up on earth. But the reality of the Scripture is that it tells us again and again We didn't have that ability. We couldn't take the darkness of sin in our hearts and make it light by good works or by giving or by anything. We needed light to come. And come he did on this Christmas Eve. This is what we celebrate, the coming of the Christ child, the coming of the light of the world. Listen to Jesus' own self-description. He says, I am... The light of the world. 
whoever. Notice that wide open invitation. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And what was the message ultimately of Jesus? He said, follow me by putting your faith in me. That's the message of Christ. Why do we put our faith in him for this Jesus, the Christ child uh, that we celebrate on this Christmas Eve? He was, as we heard from Michael earlier, he was the God-man. He was the Son of God eternally existing with the Father. He was the Son of Man born of the Virgin Mary. Jesus was the only human who was ever born on earth that didn't have this darkness within. And this is the reason that he could be the only one who could become the sacrifice for you and for me that our darkness could be cleansed because he took it on the cross in our place. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, entered the world in order to take our darkness if we will place our faith in him. He came so that he could take our sins upon himself. And this was the pronouncement that was being made to these Israelite people who were walking in darkness. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light for those who dwelt in a land of Deep darkness on them, the light has shined. So I want to say to you, it doesn't matter where your life has taken you. It doesn't matter where you've been and what you've done or how you may, in fact, have sinned against your God. Do you know what this message of great light says to us tonight? That everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, what, will be saved. I am the light of the world, Jesus says. He's come that our darkness could be forgiven, that our sins could be forgiven. The king of the world has come. And he has come to give you a place in his kingdom if you will believe in him. I like the author Paul Tripp and I was reading him the other day, and he said this. It just struck me the way he said this. The infant king came to set up his kingdom that would never end. That's what verses 6 and 7 say. And his cross would be the door that would welcome us in. You and I are welcomed into the kingdom of God by virtue of the cross that he bore for us. And so, what does this mean on Christmas Eve? It means that this king came like no other king. This king came not in power and flexing his muscle. This king came in the form of a, a baby in a no-name town to no-name parents so that his name would one day be seen as glorious as the king who lays his life down so that we might have life for all time and for all eternity. Listen to the way uh, the Apostle John says it. This may be familiar to you, but hear it afresh tonight. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish 
but have eternal life. Do you want eternal life this evening? That's why God came as a baby. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. The world was already condemned, walking in darkness. No, but in order that the world might be saved through him. See, Christmas remind us that that God the Father sent God the Son, Jesus, on a rescue mission. The light of the world came into this place so that he could absorb by faith your sin and your darkness, that by faith your sins may be forgiven, that you might walk in the light of life for now and for all eternity. And so I ask you, do you want hope this Christmas? Not that passing momentary hope. I'm talking about a deep and abiding joy that doesn't leave tomorrow and it doesn't leave next week and it doesn't leave next year or the year after that but a deep and abiding joy. Oh, if you do, come to the light, Jesus Christ. He died for you that you might live. He came to take the darkness of your sins and to be the light of your life so that you could live in communion with God now and for all eternity. In a moment... We're going to sing a a familiar song, but I just want to read to you the lyrics of it afresh. Here it is. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world. How? In sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope. There's hope here. The weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angel voices. O night divine. O night when Christ was born. Let me ask you, why did those angels in the sky rejoice on December 24th, on that Christmas Eve? They rejoiced with great rejoicing because they knew of the darkness of the world. They knew that there was no way for people to get the darkness out of themselves by themselves. It had to be that the light had to come and that the light would be offered to all people, regardless of the past, regardless of where you've been or what you've done. And so as we conclude, there's a reason that that Jules on that crazy night. I don't know if you remember that night, dear wifey, but um, on that crazy night, there is a reason that Jules wanted lights on our bushes. It's because light pierces the darkness with hope. Christ, the light of the world, tonight came to pierce the darkness of our hearts with his eternal hope. Dear friends, can we one and all turn to him and cling to him and enjoy him? And maybe for some, that might be the first time you're repenting of your sins and you're entrusting yourself to Jesus as your Savior. Oh, may you have joy tonight and eternal hope as we come to our Savior.
both now and for all time. Amen. I want to ask you to stand with me as we close our service now.